You know how to book flights and hotels. All you're missing is a tool to help you plan that unbelievable travel experience. That's why you need Viator. Book guided tours, excursions, and more in one place. There are over 300,000 travel experiences to choose from, so you can find something for everyone. And Viator offers free cancellation and 24-7 customer support for worry-free travel. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. Find travel experiences for you. Do more with Viator. What's up, everyone? And thank you for tuning in for another episode of the QB Factory Reboot brought to you by SB Nation and Bleeding Green Nation. Today is Tuesday, February 1st. So happy February, everyone. And Senior Bowl, Senior Bowl week is in full effect this week. We only have four more days until the Senior Bowl takes place on Saturday. The game is going to take place February 5th at 2.30 p.m. Eastern time. So it's only right that we're leading up to the Senior Bowl, just like we did last week. We continue with the preview of these quarterback prospects. So we're going to dive into that on today's episode. But I'm your host, Rachel Prevet, and I'm joined by the one and only QB expert, my amazing co-host, Mark Schofield. So what's up, Mark? How are you? Rachel, I'm feeling older than usual today. Um, and I think we sort of start with the song lyric. Yes. Um, and I'm just really going to use the title. This is the end by the doors because Tom Brady in the last hour or so has announced his retirement. And as somebody that, you know, grew up a Patriots fan as a Tom Brady signed helmet over his shoulder, I had a thought about dusting the Tom Brady Jersey off for the show, but I thought that would be a little bit too much as somebody that's seven months older than Tom Brady. I mean, this is the end of an era. I mean, it's the end of a, a generation of quarterbacks, Roethlisberger, Brady, you know, Eli Manning, you know, Peyton Manning, obviously. Um, it's the generation I sort of grew up watching has now come to a close. And so that's a bit bittersweet. Um, I know that in the days and the weeks and the months ahead, people are going to try to put into words his legacy. I tried to do that today over at USA Today already. Um but it's hard to do. I mean, you talk about somebody that won seven Super Bowls, somebody that seven Super Bowl MVPs. I mean, it, it's hard to sort of put it into words. I do think, and this is a little window for Eagles fans to do what, what Patriots Twitter is. Mm -hmm. The fact that Brady did not mention the Patriots in his like eight, <laughs> like frame, like statement yeah. has Patriots fans in an absolute meltdown right now. They just feel like jilted, spurned lovers. I mean, bad enough that he left Tampa Bay, bad enough that he won a Super Bowl the next year. But to not even mention like Bill Belichick or Robert Kraft or the organization or Patriots fans. Now, look, when Brady left New England, he said all that stuff. So like, I, whatever, I don't care. The yeah. guy can retire however he wants to. But Rachel, Patriots fans are losing their minds right now. And rightfully so. I would be too. I mean, I'll, I'll read it really quickly. It's not that long. He says, I've done a lot of reflecting this past week and have asked myself difficult questions. And I am proud. I am so proud of what we have achieved. My teammates, coaches, fellow competitors and fans deserve 100% of me. But right now it's best I leave the field of play to the next generation of de dedicated and committed athletes to my Bucks teammates. <laughs> 
Yeah. Past two years, I love you guys, and I have long going to battle with you. You have dug so deep to challenge yourself, and it inspired me to wake up every day and give you my best. I am always here for you guys, and I want to see you continue to push yourselves to be your best. I couldn't be happier with what we accomplished together. So as a Patriots fan, and you are one, so you can speak for them, I would definitely feel some type of way because it's like, dang, you were here for all of your career. Like, what about us? Yeah, and you read the first of eight tweets. Yeah. Like, he went on to thank every single Buck staffer and employee. He went on to thank, you know, Alex Guerrero, the guy that ran his TB12 method. You know, he thanked his agent and some of his, like, sub-agent, Don Yee and, and Steve Dubin. Like, he thanked everybody. So, yeah, Patriots fans are pretty bad. Um, but – well, it is what it is. I mean, it's not like you have to give the six Super Bowl titles back, Patriots fan. So you, you can calm down. Like he delivered those. That should be what matters. Yeah. So let you guys have all those memories, you know. Yeah. And by the way, <laughs> I didn't want to make a big issue of it. Okay. But I'm going to now. Okay. I don't know who was running the Bleeding Green Insta account this weekend. Yes. But when the rumors first swirled <laughs> that Tom Brady was retiring, and then you had to drop the Brandon Graham strip sack from Super Bowl, I almost lost my mind. I had like six drafts in the <laughs> flies, but then I was just like, you know what? It might be Rachel. I don't want to be mean to my favorite co-host on the planet. So I'm gonna let it go. Me and Seamus do run the account. I, Seamus does majority of like the pictures, so I'll do like the graphics, like the show. Yeah. Program. But Seamus, who is like the diehard Eagles fan, it was only right. So he definitely did that. Um, yeah, I'm going to have to get Seamus back it. for that. Eagles fan loved it. <laughs> I bet. I know. I know. But I saw that and I'm like, you got to do my boy like that. Yeah. Look what they did to my boy. Yeah. Look what they did to my boy. But yeah, I mean, I saw that Saturday. And I was just like, oh, come on. <laughs> too soon. Too soon. Seriously, man. Seriously. <laughs> Oh, man. But I mean, today we're going to talk about Senior Bowl. So but before we even get into that, and don't forget to rate, leave a review, stop what you're doing, subscribe to our YouTube channel, follow us on all of our social media platforms, Instagram, follow us on Twitter. <laughs> follow us on Instagram. See, it's all ready to get bodied on the IG yeah. account. All the good content. And don't forget, we still have the nomination. Uh, we were nominated for a podcast award and the polls are still open. So it's not too late to vote. I will be sure to attach the three steps in the episode description. You just register on uh, sportspodcastawards.com, go to the best team category, and you vote for Bleeding Green Nation. So like I said, voting does not end until March. So it is not too late to cast your vote and help us out. But I chose uh, movie lyrics focusing on Senior Bowl. And I just said, life is not the number of breaths you take. It's the moment that the moments that take your breath away. And that's from the movie Hitch. And just as I've been studying and prepping for Senior Bowl and some of these uh, quarterbacks who we're going to be focusing on today, this is your time like this week this senior bowl game that's going to go down on saturday maybe you didn't you weren't able to prove yourself throughout the 2021 season but this is your opportunity to really take the scouts the coaches the general managers who were there observing take their breaths away before the draft comes so it's kind of like living in this moment taking advantage of this opportunity and you got to ball out because the time is now so yeah. yeah that's a great way to put it and it's important to remember about senior bowl week 
the major work is done Monday through Thursday. Mm -hmm. Like that's the stuff that really matters. A, a little dark secret about senior bowl week. Unfortunately, we couldn't get down there this year because of a lot of other things, but maybe the combine and Indian stuff like that, but haven't been to multiple senior bowls at this point, a little dark secret Thursday afternoon, everybody's gone. Like you go to practices Thursday afternoon and they're empty. Like, Tuesday practices, Wednesday practices, those are really crowded. By like Thursday, the teams have picked up their tents and they're gone. Because um, what they want to see, they really want to see, and this is especially true like for the quarterback position, Tuesday's a baseline day. What can these guys do? We're throwing them some new stuff. They're throwing to new receivers. They're learning some new plays. Then Wednesday, what does it look like that two-day progression from Tuesday to Wednesday? And if you want an example, a real-world example of this, this time last year, Mac Jones was entering the senior bowl having just, you know, won a national championship, but people were still like, yeah, he's probably a day two, round two, maybe round three quarterback. Wednesday, he wasn't even the best quarterback watching him on film Tuesday. There were other guys that stood out. Wednesday, he was by far the best guy. Like, like looked the best of the quarterbacks down in Mobile last year. And by the end of Wednesday afternoon, you could literally feel – it on Twitter, you could feel the switch flip from he's a day two guy to like, yeah, Mac Jones is going in the first round. Mm -hmm. Like, and like, so that's like a recent real world example. Jalen Hurts is another one because yeah. Hurts was like, oh man, he's like a day three guy. He's going to be a, we talked about this last week. My cake was telling us like people thought he might be a running back. Mm -hmm. He had a really good senior bowl week. And let's not forget there are the practices, but there are also the meetings with teams. And the stuff that happens like at the hotel rooms and the suites and things like that, when general managers, when coaches, when offensive coordinators get a chance to sit down with these players and talk to them and say, hey, you know, what did you do on this play? Or tell us about your favorite concepts to run or whatever they want to talk about. You start building that personal relationship. Guys that are those leader types like a Jalen Hurts, that's an opportunity for them to sort of say, OK, I can run your offense. I can lead your franchise. And so, you know, the game. Certainly, it's going to do numbers. People will watch it. Dak Prescott had a, from my vantage point, rough senior bowl week, had a great game in the senior bowl. Daniel Jones was kind of the same, had a great game in the senior bowl. So, yeah, GMs, they'll watch it and they'll put some stock in it. But the real bulk of the work is done like Monday through Thursday. That's good to know. That's really good perspective as someone who's been there time and time and time and time again. So, yeah, Mobile's done a number on my liver. Let's put it that way. Oh, man. <laughs> Thank you for sharing that peek behind the curtain for people who maybe yeah. got to experience it. So yeah. I'm going to get right into it. Where do you want to start? Where do you want to start? I mean, I think interestingly enough, we can start with the great hand size debate of 2022. Okay. okay. Because you probably saw it. I shared this with you. You probably saw if you were on Twitter at all Monday afternoon. Monday morning, you saw Jim Nagy, the executive director for the senior bowl, basically saying, Hey, you know, these are player measurements. And you started seeing some, some people might be seeing some numbers that didn't quite make sense to them because players heights were at four digits and it didn't quite make sense. Right. So just a, a quick primer, the yeah. four digit height measurement. Okay. First number is the feet. Okay. Second two numbers are inches. And that fourth number is eighths of an inch. So if you see for a player five eleven three, mm -hmm. that means they are five feet eleven inches and three eighths of an inch tall. That's what that means. If you see six zero zero two, six feet even two eighths of an inch. And so if you're seeing these numbers and you're kind of like, what in the world is this? What what does six zero two three mean? 
That means that that quarterback, I think um, Malik, no, it's not Malik Willis. I think that was Desmond Ritter or somebody like that was in that range. Yeah. That's six feet, two inches, three eighths of an inch. Why they do it that way? Why don't they just say six, two and three eighths of an inch? I don't know, but that's how they do it. So it's very weird. Okay. Now, the QB great hand size debate of 2022 is going to be related to one person and one person only. And that's Kenny Pickett yep. from the University of Pittsburgh. Mm -hmm. Kenny Pickett did not have his hand measured. Now, say what you want about quarterback hand size, but he did not have it measured. And he showed us the picture why his right thumb is double jointed. So when he, the way they do it, when they put their hand down on like a big piece of paper and measure it thumb to pinky tip like that. And as you can see, if you're pulling out your iPhone, mine's probably like six inches. I have small, tiny baby hands. Another reason why I was a bad quarterback, but his, his thumb bends in such a way. It's kind of like this. So you can't really get a true measurement now. So he's apparently working on it. He's doing exercises to stretch it out and he's going to measure it at the combine, which would be perhaps the most well attended and most anticipated, highly anticipated measurement of the combine. Does QB hand size matter? And, and here's sort of where I stand on it. It's a data point. And then if it comes in as a small number, people like to say at least, you know, nine and a quarter, maybe nine and a half inches. Um, you go back to see, does it impact the player? What you look for, weather conditions, fumbles, like can he throw in weather? You know, if the ball is wet, if the ball is, if it's snowy, like the ball, does he have trouble maintaining his grip on the ball? And, and does he miss throws as a result? Is he fumbling in the pocket? And not when somebody gets a real shot at him, but if he's just bumped in the pocket, does the ball pop out? And so with Pickett, he played at Pittsburgh. He wears the glove. Yeah. Watching him, I didn't see a lot of that on film. Mm -hmm. I, I think there are other concerns with Pickett. Was he just a one-year wonder? He's a little bit older. Like, you know, there will be other things to sort of worry about. But the hand size thing, I, I think, is a little bit, it's going to be talked about the entire draft process, right? Like people are going to be focused on it, rightfully so. But when you see that and you see the concerns over it, go back, watch them a little bit and say, hey, you know, does it look like the, the hand size, the small hands limit him or not? Joe Burrow had relatively small hands, but when he's getting sacked nine times by the Titans or he's getting, you know, nearly sacked by Chris Jones in the AFC championship game and he escapes and is able to run for first downs and holds the ball out, extends it for the first down and it doesn't pop out. That's what you look for. And so that's going to be the thing with Pickett. People are going to lose their minds over the hand size. Then go back to the film and see if there are moments where it's like, Hey, you know, a quarterback with bigger hands doesn't fumble there. So that's going to be the big thing this week and probably all draft season. I think that's a really good point that you made because as I was like looking into Kenny Pickett, who was definitely like most highly anticipated going into the senior bowl, everybody's talking about him that when I looked at like his weaknesses, that's all I keep seeing is like yeah. small hands. Okay. What else? I saw a couple people talk about how he, you know, maybe holds the ball, the ball a little bit too long, but yeah. like his stats from this past season, it said he completed 67% of his passes for 4,319 yards with 42 touchdowns and just seven interceptions. So he does have a lot of strengths when it comes to decision-making, when it comes to his ability to see the field, you know, his accuracy. So I feel like sometimes that can be like a little bit of an extreme, like you said, okay, it's something to take note of, but that's really all I'm seeing for him. Yeah weaknesses yeah i mean in terms of weaknesses i mean there's the fact that like he's sort of a late bloomer he 
was kind of a, you know, an average quarterback for the college level, but then had this big year this year, you know, but we've seen that from some other quarterbacks. Joe Burrow is an example of that. And I'm not saying that he's Burrow, but you know, we've seen it from, you know, some quarterbacks that have had, it's taken a while for it to sort of click with them. I mean, there are some moments where, you know, perhaps he's waiting a little bit too long to let something go. He's perhaps reading something out. He's perhaps, you know, buying a little bit more time than he needs to, you know, but I, I think that's relatively not a huge concern from where I sit. He is fairly accurate with his throws, does a really good job sort of extending plays, does a pretty good job using his eyes as well. And so, you know, I, I think in terms of QB1, QB2 in this class, things like that, he's certainly up or near the top. Yeah. He's somebody that I think, you know, might be the first quarterback taken. Yeah. Since this is an ego show, would he fit in what they kind of want to do? I, I think so. I think there might be better fits. Okay. Um, at least if you're talking about taking somebody and plugging them then to this offense as it's constructed right now, there yeah. might be some guys that are better fits. Is he a massive upgrade over Jalen Hurts? That's probably the ultimate question. And given where you'd probably have to draft him, where he might not even be on the board when you're first on the clock, that's a that's a tougher call. And okay. as we've talked about, you know, you and I are of the same mindset that it's probably not the time to force a draft pick a quarterback anyway, unless somebody just falls into your lap in the second yeah. round. But while he's good, I'm not so sure Philadelphia is the spot. And I think that's fair. So would you say that out of all of the other quarterbacks, are you most excited to see him? Yeah, I mean, I'm very excited to see him. Uh, I'm very excited to see Malik Willis um, because like, like he's, he's basically Jalen Hurts. I mean, Malik Willis, like measured in almost the same, um, very athletic. You know, I, I think Willis has a very impressive arm um, and he's certainly somebody that given what we've seen some of some other sort of toolsy quarterbacks like Josh Allen, what he's done this year, you can see an organization say, we're going to try to make Malik Willis our Josh Allen and, and take a bet on those traits. Um, I'm excited to see Bailey Zappi uh, from Western Kentucky, who started at Sam Houston State, then went to Western Kentucky and has played in an offense where he throws it 65 times a game like. You know, some quarterbacks, when you're studying them, it takes you maybe like 20 minutes to, to watch all of their throws from a game. Zappi, you're there for like an hour and a half because he's thrown it all the time and he put up video game numbers. But, you know, he had an impressive season this past year at West Kentucky, broke some of Joe Burrow's records that he had at LSU. So I'm, I'm excited to see Zappi as well. I'm excited to see Sam Howell. I mean, Howell was a guy that when we were doing this stuff in the summer, it was Spencer Rattler and Sam Howell. Like, those were the guys that were going to be QB1 and QB2 in the draft. It was done. It was dusted. Those were going to be the guys. Howell had a really bad game against Virginia Tech through a couple of interceptions in his season opener. And this is the standard life cycle of a quarterback. You know, I've been through many draft Twitter wars. We have these guys that we prop up in the summer. And then right out of the gate, they struggle or they're not perfect or it's not what we're hoping to see. And it's like that scene from Toy Story where you drop the toy and you're like, that's it. I'm done with you. I'm moving on to the next one. That's what we all kind of did with Sam Howell. We forgot about him. But quietly over the year, Howell got a little bit better. And he was incredible as a runner this year, like very good as a runner. And if you're talking about taking quarterbacks out of this draft class, out of the senior bowl group and dropping them into this Eagles offense, I think Willis and Howell are kind of like easy fits given their athleticism, what they've done with their legs. But again, it's like, are they massive upgrades over what Jalen Hurts is right now? No. Could they be? Maybe. 
is that potential worth where you might have to draft them? Not in my mind, but maybe if they slot into the second round, you decide, look, you know, we might've thought about kicking the quarterback decision about Hertz to next year. We could still do that, but now we've already got that potential guy on the roster. If they slide into the second round or something. On last week's episode, when Mike K was here, I touched on how out of everybody, I was, ex- I was a little bit more excited to see Sam Howell because of like the potential yeah. touched on that because and you touched on it like 2020 when you looked at his numbers when he had you know he was loaded with targets when it came to his running backs and his wide receivers it said that he completed 68 percent of his passes for 3,586 yards with 30 touchdowns after he lost two receivers and I think it was two running backs to the draft this yeah. past season it dropped down so he was only at 62 percent of completion um and like you said his interceptions did increase so I think that this is a really cool opportunity for him because he's going to be loaded with wide receivers, with running backs. So it's kind of like this, this week. So Tuesday, Wednesday, then come Saturday, is he going to be able to take advantage of like the, the targets that he has presented in front of him and capitalize on the opportunity to show like his worth, I guess is my point, but he's also been compared a lot to Baker Mayfield in regards to, look and build and stuff so yeah Yeah, I mean the the Mayfield comparison is is I don't want to say it's a one-to-one and I'm just I hate comparisons like first of all I'm bad at doing them (laughs) and like like we all sort of make the same comparisons at times and you know I I think there are ways to do comparisons that work like a a body type comparison and a play style comparison but What often happens is you're like, oh, you know, this guy's a, a, a big, strong wide receiver, Drake London, who I literally just got done doing my final study of before we hopped on. It's like, oh, that guy's Mike Evans. And people expect, well, you're saying he's going to be the best wide, one of the best wide receivers in the game. It's like, I'm not trying to say that. That's kind of how they play similarly. Or, you know, when last draft cycle, what it's like, oh, you know, Matt Jones, who does he compare it to? Well, the way he's going to have to play it's going to be have to play like Tom Brady with like footwork in the pocket and time and rhythm. And it's like, Oh, you're saying he's going to be the greatest quarterback of all time. No, I'm not saying that. Like, I'm just, that's how they play yeah. the game. That's so, I mean, quarterback comparisons are tough, but then you watch how it's like, yeah, okay. That guy's Baker Mayfield. Like I, I can yeah. totally see it. So, you know, that totally fits. And I think you're absolutely right. Like this is a huge week for him because like you said, he lost DME Brown. He lost Michael Carter. He lost Javante Williams. Like he lost some really good players and you saw that dip in production. Mm-hmm. Now, now he's going to have to sit down in front of a general manager in front of a Howie Roseman and say, yeah, well, look, I lost like my four biggest targets. Like there was a sort of learning process and a feeling out process, you know, in terms of getting on the same page with some of these guys, but you know, we're in the end, got to a bowl game, like, like played pretty well down the stretch, got some big wins. So, you know, I could still lead your team. Support for this show comes from Sylvan Learning. As a parent, you want your child to have every opportunity, but giving them the tools they need to tackle every challenge, that takes a team. Now more than ever, educational support tailored exactly to what your child needs can make all the difference. That's why parents have trusted Sylvan Learning for 45 years as the ultimate teammate in their child's educational journey, instilling in them a love for learning and a passion for reaching the next level. And Sylvan's insight assessment can identify gaps in learning and areas that could be of concern for your child. 
It's a 360-degree view into your child's learning that you can't find anywhere else and helps ensure that your child didn't miss something in school that might put them at a disadvantage in the future. And right now, it's the best price of the year at $29. Go to sylvan29.com to learn more and get your child's assessment for only $29. That's S-Y-L-V-A-N-29.com. Another two more guys that I'm really excited about. Desmond Ritter, who I think is sort of flying under the radar. Okay. And, you know, Nate Tice, for example, who played quarterback. He was Russell Wilson's backup at Wisconsin, like knows the position extremely well. He loves Desmond Ritter. He's been talking about him all season long over at uh, Bleacher uh, Bleacher Report, um, where he's doing some draft work. Ritter is fascinating to me because I thought he could have been drafted in the second round last year, and he decided to come back. Um, I think he showed a lot of progress from a mental perspective. Um, obviously got Cincinnati to the playoff. Um, he's one of those guys that you could see work through multiple reads, get to the backside dig, stuff like that. So I really like what he's done. I, I think a weakness for him is perhaps ball placement. Uh, okay. He's not as accurate as some of the other guys. The completion numbers are fine, but you know, in terms of putting the football where it needs to be to perhaps maximize yardage after the catch, I think you can still get better there. Um, so I'm excited about him. And then Carson Strong. Yeah. He, he might have the best Rachel. He might have the best pure arm in this class. Yeah. Like it's an absolute cannon, mm-hmm. but he's got some medical concerns. Like he's, he's got not a history. Yeah. I mean, As he's got a, yeah. 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 I mean, he's got a, a, a history of knee problems. Mm-hmm. Now, Jordan Palmer, who he's worked with, has said that, like, you know, it should be a concern. Doctors had told him that he pr- should probably sit out this year to, like, let the knee, like, fully recover. And he basically said, no, I'm, I'm going to play. But, yeah, he couldn't move. He had this knee injury in high school, caused him to miss his senior year. You know, read it some report, he would have to get drained from time to time. There were some times this year where he would have practiced. He would, like, just watch or sit on a golf cart the medicals for him are going to be huge. Yeah. Like all the other stuff kind of checks out, mm-hmm. but teams are going to be wary about that knee. Now, if it does check out, like Jordan Palmer said, it should, mm-hmm. that he might, he could be the first guy drafted out of this group, mm-hmm. but that's a big red flag. And so when you start thinking about like the most important places for quarterbacks, whether it's at the draft or at the combine or at the senior bowl, like for Carson Strong, it's the medical value. It's like the exam room. You know, yeah. for Kenny Pickett, it's going to be that piece of paper when he puts his hand down. For yeah. other quarterbacks, it'll be the stuff you expect, like the on-the-field practices. But for guys like Strong and Pickett, it's going to be some off-the-field stuff that's going to be huge. And I think Strong, from what I picked up, seems like the weakest out of them. I wanted to ask you a little bit about mobility because yeah. nowadays – like that's the term that you're hearing more about when it comes to your quarterback right. because you want them to be – more athletic like you want them to be able to like Kenny Pickett did in that one play where he like faked the slide yeah which was like extremely impressive you want to be able to see their ability to run and it it looks like out of all of them strong is the least athletic when it comes to just natural ability so how important do you think that that's going to play a role when evaluating like just looking at strong alone because he seems like the only one that I've seen so far who's just not there when it comes to it do you think that that's going to affect um his looks yeah I mean I certainly think it will 
Uh, a lot of it might come down to the medical portion of it because I, I do think, like, there was a play, I forget who they were playing, but there was a fourth down and four late in the game, and he tried to scramble for a first down, and he couldn't get there in time. Like, like he just got chased down from behind by, I think, a defensive lineman or a linebacker. Like, like he's very much a statuesque battleship of a quarterback right now. Mm-hmm. doesn't really move well. But if it's purely a medical reason and, mm-hmm. you know, with another procedure and then he gets cleaned up or whatever, he can move around a little bit more. I, I think that would be huge for him because, you know, I I wrote this word over at USA Today about some quarterback non-negotiables, some lessons from Tom Brady's career that we can apply okay. to the quarterback position. And there are two things that I think are non-negotiable. There's accuracy. Like, look, you have to put the football where you're supposed to throw it. Like, if you can't do that, yeah. that's kind of a big part of the job. And then there's mobility. Now, not every quarterback has to be Kyler Murray. Not every quarterback has to be Lamar Jackson. But you've got to be able to survive back there. And if you don't think mobility is important, watch Joe Burrow this weekend. Yeah. You know, because you don't have Joe Burrow is certainly not a Lamar Jackson or a Kyler Murray, but he's athletic enough that he can escape when he needs to. He can run away from a Chris Jones. He can run away from a Melvin Ingram. And there's more than one way to be mobile enough to play the position. And Tom Brady is that example. Again, not a super athlete you know, by any sort of traditional definition of athleticism, you know, a guy that's running like a 5-0, 40-yard dash, but he can move with his feet. And I often compare playing quarterback to being in the boxing ring, right? And you've got to use your feet to create space to get off a punch or to get away from your opponent or to just move and survive in the ring. And it's similar to how Brady and other sort of pocket passers operate where they just use their feet to create enough space and if strong can do that if he can show you know whether it's this week or on film at times or you know if the knee gets cleaned up that he can at least do that then it'll be okay but if you can't protect yourself if you're in a situation where you're so immobile that you know you get a free runner at you and you can't escape it then you're going to be in trouble. And so I think there's like a spectrum of mobility where like over here is like the Kyler's and the Lamar's of the world where like you can have three free rushers at you. They're going to find a way to escape. And on the other end, there's guys like, you know, a a Dwayne Haskins, who's like more of a statue in the pocket. You've got to be somewhere towards this side of that spectrum. If you're not, you're going to be in trouble. Okay. Another question. Looking at these quarterbacks that we're talking about, how many of them do you think, like, honestly, would be QB1? Other than Pickett, we already keep hearing about Pickett. How many of the rest of them, Bailey Zapp, Desmond Ritter, uh, Malik Willis, do you, Sam Howe, do you think have the ability to be QB1 and not just a backup? I mean, I, I think Pickett, Ritter, um, Strong if the medicals check out those guys, I think have like, I think the cleanest path to being like a, a true, like good starting quarterback in the NFL, Howard Willis are close. Okay. I, I think they're going to need a bit more of a developmental glide path. I mean, Willis is a s- tremendously talented athlete and yeah. quarterback, but I saw a lot of like repeatable mistakes over the course of this season where it's like, you know, you need to see some growth and development. Now, I know he's already in the lab with Quincy Avery, so that work's getting done. 
You know, I, I, I would love to see Willis slide to like the end of the first round, like when the Lions pick either 31 or 32, because they have that Rams pick from the Stafford trade. And so if, if they could see, if he could slide to a late first round kind of situation where they could take their time with him and he goes to a team where like the Detroit example, you've got Jared Goff. Mm-hmm. And so there's not a need to start him right away. There won't be this organizational pressure to start him right away. You know, if he comes off the board of the top five, it's going to be like, we want to see this guy on the field, mm-hmm. you know, but if he can sort of wait till later in the draft, later in the first round or early in the second round, where it's like, okay, we sort of take our time with him, you know, and there won't be that outside external pressure or even pressure from ownership to get him on the field. That would be perfect for him. And so, you know, I, I think, you know, I'm a quarterback guy at heart. So I, I want to sit here and say all six of these guys could be starters, but I think the ones that I said at the outset have the easiest paths to get in there. Okay. That's fair. I do think Malik Willis reminds me the most of Jalen Hurts. Even yeah. if you're looking at his strengths and weaknesses, literally that looks just like Hurts, you know, his yeah. being able to maintain in the pocket, pocket poise, you know, a decision-making accuracy, and then his strengths, mobility. He's an, he's naturally athletic. So I mean, I think there's a window in that sort of scenario I talked about earlier where if Willis slides to the second round, mm-hmm. you know, and the Eagles are sort of on the clock there and it's like, yeah, you know, maybe they did what we talked about two weeks ago, right? They took one of those three first round picks and they kicked it to next year to give themselves a shot at it. Mm-hmm. But if he stared at you at 51 when they're on the clock in the second round and you've already addressed, say, linebacker, right. pass rusher, whatever, with those three picks in the first round, and you're already thinking, okay, well, if Hertz doesn't work out, we've got that extra first rounder or whatever to address it next year. But Willis has stared at you at 51. I think yeah. you think long and hard about it. Now, does he get to 51? That I don't know. Mm-hmm. Sitting here right now, I can't imagine it, but stranger things have happened. Yeah. I mean, this is definitely going to be interesting, and I can't wait to watch and see. Even the updates tonight, we should be getting some this afternoon. because Yeah, I mean, look, they're, they're – it, it's 10.30. We'll record this Tuesday morning. It's 10.30 out in Mobile right now. Jim Nagy just got done giving his introductory press conference. We're going to get practice reports and your Twitter timeline by the time this episode airs is going to be filled with clips. By the time this airs, Malik Willis might be QB1 because of a great throw he made to start practice. Who knows? Yeah. That's how fast this whole draft process, you know, operates. It operates at warp speed, but it's going to be fun. It's going to be super fun. And I think from an Eagles fan perspective, it's not like you're not like Washington where it's like, man, we got to figure out quarterback and this quarterback class is, yeah, I don't know. Mm -hmm. You don't need to force it. So you could kind of have a little bit of fun with it. What I'm trying to say, gentle listeners is don't, don't freak out over like senior bowl practice reports right now. It's not like we said at the start of the show early back in August, like don't hit the panic button just yet. kids. Yeah. But like you said, at least they can keep your eyes open and see what they're working with. You know, we know the other, that hurts of the guy, but we can still look and see what else are they working with. And the other thing that's important to keep in mind is this. You want these guys to do well during the pre-draft process for another reason. Perhaps a trade down. Mm-hmm. Because if these quarterbacks are playing well enough where people start thinking, look, we got to trade up. If we're in the 20s, but we need to get to the 15 spot, the 16 spot that's going to increase the value of a potential return in a trade down situation. And so if all these guys are faring really well and quarterbacks start coming off the board and say the late, you know, eight, nine, 10 spot of the draft and teams feel like, man, we got to go up. 
we're going to go get somebody like that's going to make it easier for the Eagles to, if they do do, do that sort of trade down scenario, get maybe a first and a second in next year's draft or get even more in return. And so you also want to watch these pre-draft reports and senior will practice reports from that perspective. Like if these six guys that are down at mobile all fare really well, that could be really beneficial for Howie Roseman in a potential trade down scenario as well. Good way to throw that in. Wasn't even thinking about yeah. that. Yeah. I mean, you know, like I said, it's not my first draft tour award and yeah. God will it won't be my last. That's why you're the expert. You know, that's what I'm, you're <laughs> I'm just another guy with a microphone and some bubbly. That's not even. Blackberry bubbly is very tasty, friends. In, in case bubbly is looking for a sponsorship deal, BGN Radio. Hey, there you go. We're always, always looking. So. Yeah. <laughs> But I mean, I'm excited to see, like I said, what's going down. I know you're going to be stuff to look out throughout this week. So hopefully you listeners are picking up and, and learning from this episode. And next week, it'll be even more exciting because we're going to get to talk about what we actually saw. Yep. So Very excited about that. We will be back next week. So make sure you guys tune in for that. Um, don't forget to rate, leave a review, subscribe to our YouTube channel, follow us on social media, all that good stuff. Do you have any last words, Mark? Um, gonna keep it easy, nice and clean. Go Eagles. First thing in the morning, as soon as you wake up, the to-do list starts. Does the car need gas? Hopefully those leftovers are still good. Why did I get CC'd on? Oh, mom. No. You can't escape the to-do list, but you can make the most of your me time with a relaxing shower using Method Hair Care products. Try Pure Peace Volumizing, Simply Nourish Moisturizing, or Daily Zen Shampoo and Conditioner for daily use. All formulated with long-lasting fragrances and are safe for color-treated hair. Reconnect with the best version of yourself. Visit methodproducts.com to unleash your inner shower. More to-dos, less time, and an infinite number of tools to keep track of. Sometimes doing business has never felt harder, but you don't need a miracle to hit your goals. You can just use HubSpot because their all-in-one customer platform can make growing your business infinitely easier. Imagine this, high-quality leads, fast-closing deals, wildly happy customers, and more benchmark-breaking quarters. It's not a miracle, it's HubSpot. Visit HubSpot.com to get started today.